We went to Brazil. Okay, we didn't go to Brazil. We just picked a cigar with a Brazilian Matafina wrapper. And the Matafina, the whole Brazilian thing, has never been my strong suit. It's never... You, you, you decided to laugh, Fingers Malloy, at Brazilians never been my thing? Well, no. I thought to myself when you said we, we weren't actually going to Brazil, the wax I got was for nothing. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. We went for the cheapest joke possible. You're welcome. We do it for you, Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation. We are smoking the 724 Toro. Let's take a step back. Brazilian Matafina wrappers, Mata, M-A-T-A, Fina, F-I-N-A. We're talking about coming out of Brazil. They do a lot of work with these wrappers. That you end up in a lot of Oscuro and Maduro kind of cigars. So bigger uh, cigars. These are, are uh, wrappers that are grown under direct sunlight. They're stock cut. So you get this natural sweetness that comes out of them. The brand is 724, number seven, number 20, number four, which is very, very confusing, but it shouldn't be. This is a cigar by a guy by the name of Kurt Kendall, who we've caught up with at the Premium Cigar Show in Las Vegas. He's out of New Hampshire, and the address of the factory, 724 Elm Street, Mm. thus 724 Cigars, And we are doing the Toro here, which is a 6x54, which means six inches long. Teehee. Always makes fingers from the laugh. You're not done with that cold, are you? No. Good Lord. And not COVID? No, it's not. I took two tests. So uh, I- Did I, you pass? I, I passed both of them. C plus? C minus. Ooh. Because I don't have it. So it's minus the COVID. Ah, as in Uh, negative. Exactly. The ring gauge on this is 54. So that's the diameter of the cigar, basically how thick it is around. T. It's really hard for you, wasn't that? (laughs) Yes. You you had to strain. The struggle is real. For the T-he, I've never been the biggest fan of the Brazilian Matafina wrapper. And I honestly don't know why. Because you would think a natural sweetness is something uh, that, that I like. It's just somehow has never well hit my palate. But I totally dig Kurt Kendall. He's the kind of guy you expect to be smoking cigars, but not in the way I do, right? When I'm smoking cigars, I'm the guy in the suit. I'm the guy who's wearing some shoes. You're like, that guy spent a couple of bucks. I have this desire for my cigar lounge to be this refined place. Fingers Malloy is 6'3 with the Mohawk 6'9. Wearing his Lions gear, Detroit Lions, who once again gave up the, the, the win against the D- Miami Dolphins. You can't give up something you were never going to have to begin with. And he's the guy on the Harley, the whole thing. And Kurt Kendall's that kind of guy. Give him a couple tattoos. He's got the beard. You just you see him and you're like, that's a guy who smokes cigars. And he makes this. He has a shop. In New Hampshire, and he makes this cigar, the 724, and I just find him to be honest. I find him to be refreshing. I find him to be uh, direct and, and just really a lover of the smoke, really enjoying what he's doing and, and working a little bit to create something that, that isn't just to create. He's creating something that he wants to show some value to. So this is this Brazilian uh, rapper. I believe it is. Is it Dominican? In the binder and and the filler, I've got that right. It's 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 Dominican in it's Dominican Nicaraguan in the binder and the filler. We just lit this up, but that Brazilian wrapper, you could definitely see some veining in there. It is this darker kind of brown, 
That's a bit of oil yeah, right there. Say, Not overwhelming, but lovely. No, there's a nice bit of oil on it, and there's a little bit of heft to the stick. It's a little heavier than I expected. It feels really good in the hand. Uh, you know, we just lit this. We're just in the first third, but there's a lot of nice smoke coming off of it. Uh, there, it's not uh, too much of a struggle for, for someone who has a cold uh, on the draw. It's got a nice draw to it. Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, so uh, the 54 is a ring gauge, right? So a 64 ring gauge is a full inch around. 54 is kind of top of the mark of where I like to be for mouthfeel. It's comfortable that way. It does fit great in the hand, and you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel There's a level of atomic weight going on uh, to this cigar. It feels complete, full, strong, but it's not, it's not really a super strong cigar. I'd say this is a true and true medium smoke every day of the week. So I'm curious, Tony. For me, you know, in the first third, I'm getting a little bit of pepper, some creaminess, and maybe a little bit of citrus. Uh, but my my palate may be completely screwed up. I don't, I don't know. What what are you getting off of I this I think the stick? citrus is an interesting uh, call because I, I don't know if I'm getting citrus or I'm getting a, a little bit of salivation happening because my mouth is a little more watery than it was be, before I started, which sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes how that cigar is blended will will create those opportunities for you. Um, I think that the creamiest, there's often a coffee that comes out of, of a Matafina wrapper, which again, you would think I would like, but my experiences with Matafinas, it's, it's not all Matafinas. I've had good experiences. I've had bad experiences. For example, um, uh, Espinosa. I, I think it's their Laranja. Uh, the, the, is it the Escuro? Uh, it uses a Matafina wrapper, and so I, I like what uh, uh, Espinosa there does there. I like, yeah, it's, it's the Escuro. I got it right. The Laranja Escuro there uses that Matafina uh, within the cigar. might not be in, in the wrapper. So there's cigars that I enjoy that do this, that utilize this. It's just, it's some reason has never been my, my go-to. I, I actually sometimes shy away from it, but I like 724. I like him. Um, right now, the cigar is, uh, in this first third, playing very simple. And when, when Fingers talks about thirds, you take your cigar, you eyeball it, and you break into the thirds in your eye. And then you grab your notebook. What did you eat that day? What did you drink that day? What's the weather? We have got a most perfect fall day in Indianapolis, Indiana, as we're recording at Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com. So the weather's just great, just a, the, you know, a, just a little bit of crispness. And you write down, what did you eat? What did you drink? And then what are you getting out of the first third, the second third, and the final third? And when you go and try that cigar three months, five months later, you take your notes, you compare, and those through lines, that's what you're getting out of the cigar. That's what your palate is telling you uh, that you like. So it is certainly a creamy stick. I, the, 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 the pepper that you're talking about isn't strong. No. You know, it's just maybe a little bit lingering on the back tongue, yeah. I think, is where I, I would describe it. But you're right about the draw, man. And it's putting out some lovely smoke, and you've got this this dark wrapper, and the ash is a bright white. Yeah, right there. It's a beautiful, beautiful look. This is the kind of look of cigar that you figure Churchill <laughs> was, was, was smoking during the Blitzkrieg. Like, all right, bring it on, Nazis. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and, and look, both I don't of know us. if you ever said that. By the way, that wasn't an exact quote. Uh, no, that was actually an exact quote. Oh. Look at me! I, I, I saw I saw a documentary once on on Crackle about it. Uh, but uh, no, the, look look, both of us have 
that's a very nice even burn on this. Uh, you know, probably because uh, the users are geniuses. That's what I'm guessing. Oh, I'm going to put it on the cigar. I'm going to put it on the cigar there. Now, the question, Fingers Malloy, is, is this in your humidor at $10.50? Uh, on average. You might find it for 11 12 You might find it for 10 So far, so good. In my humidor, I would definitely seek one out at a lounge if it's there. In my humidor, maybe. Maybe because at that price, you could say, well, I can do a lot of things with it and yeah. not worry about it too much at that price. Usually, we try and stay in the $7, $8 range. For something like that, seven twenty-four. Kirk Kendall, check it out. This is Eat Drink Smoke. It is not easy to get your own brand to market. It is very, very difficult. And then, of course, if you wanted to be somebody, start your own spirit. What in the world are you choosing? You're starting the thing that you've got a passion for and you love, or you're starting the thing that you think there's a market for. It's Tony Katz. It's Fingers Malloy. It's Eat Drink Smoke. So good to be with you. I had a chance to sit down with the guys from Package Group about how they got into this industry of engaging distribution and 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 repping brands and how tequila is simply taking over. Tequila, it's been kind of wonderful to discuss this as we've been sipping a little bit more. We, we, that's not really where we play. Bourbon and rye, I'm a, I'm a rye guy myself. But the idea that tequila, Sean, isn't for body shots anymore. Uh, tequila is sipping tequila, how people have learned about Resposados as they've started to understand what this agave can really do and, and really deliver. And then there was a whole conversation about it, during COVID, nothing grew faster than tequila because it didn't have the tariff issue that you would have from from spirits from uh, overseas. What have you seen in in the growth of, of tequila? Well, in I mean, in short, it's it's explosive, right? As you say, the, the growth of tequila is absolutely explosive. Uh, certain analysis suggests it's the it will be the the largest selling spirit in the United States uh, in this uh, in in 2022, which is unbelievable. Uh, you know, more so than vodka or whiskey, which is unbelievable. Uh, and and as you said, it's definitely changed connotations. And certainly, the world that we hang around with, is, we we affectionately call them tequila nerds. Uh, you you might call aficionados, but in large part, those are the folks that we hang around with, and the folks that are drinking G four. And in this case, you know, as I am sipping a, a, a pretty seriously expensive and, and hard to get a hold of bottle of tequila, that's a, that's a very different deal. Than uh, you know, shooting Cuervo in college, right? Uh, yes, that and that's and that's the whole point. It's 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 very different indeed. But it, is it a question of things taking off in COVID because people are like you know what I've got time. I've never tried that, uh, and I don't have to drive home. Let me try that. Or was there a build in tequila? Was there something happening where all of a sudden, whether, you know, I joke about George Clooney, but there's something very serious there when a guy sells a brand for a billion dollars where people go, wait, tequila? Really? Was it Jose Cuervo? What do you mean it wasn't Jose Cuervo? When did that start, the the, the, the build out? I mean, that, you know, it, it in the last 10 years before that, craft tequila as a segment grew 500%. And so you just look at that and you look at the numbers and it just continues to roll and roll and roll. And they're predicting that it's looking to continue growing faster than any other spirit 
Um, you know, in as far as sheer numbers, uh, percentage-wise, it's it's cousin mezcal is actually growing faster as a percentage, but tequila will continue to grow faster than any other spirit, and is expected to do so for the next five plus years. The group you have, and you've got mm-hmm. a team. You've got like I think like ten people on the team. Maybe it's it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more as people situated in in the Midwest, uh, where 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 I'm at, and where where Sean is at there in in Michigan. You've got people out west, out east. What is it that you're trying to do on this distribution side? Of course, the answer is we're trying to sell our product. But how do you make a mark against that celebrity side? How do you go about convincing people that your product, whether it be a gin, you've got a host of other things that you you, you cover, should be on the shelves? Well, I, I, I guess my answer in, in when you're selling craft spirits and something of high quality that's not associated with the rock or George Clooney. I think the answer is, is about experiences and education. So, you know, the reason that we have the people that we do, the reason that we have the distributors, the distributors partners that we do is because we're very intently focused both on on premise experiences where people tend to try something new, uh, like a craft tequila, maybe for the first time or an education experience. Perhaps it's a, you know, these didn't happen during COVID, but they happened a lot before that, and they happen, they're happening again now. Uh, you know, high-end tasting experiences, dinners where where spirits are paired with food, you know, at, in, in nice locations, in great presentations. And these are done at home. They're done on premise. So the education part of it is very, very important for what we do. The, the education part being, hey – this is what it tastes like. Hey, this is why your customer is going to enjoy it. This mm-hmm. is why tequila or whatever the spirit is you're talking about matters so much. Which part of that education? It's it's both. It's the it's the spirit uh, and the story, right? Uh, you know, Jeff alluded to uh, G four meaning fourth generation. This is this is a in fact a sixth generation family legacy uh, of growing agave, of distilling a spirit, perfecting the craft, selling the craft. I mean, the entire family is involved in this. And so, you know, G4 is their, it's their brand and it's their family story. And uh, a lot of what we do and what, what you would deem to be marketing, we deem to be storytelling. And we're, we're simply uh, telling their story, telling their family history and informing people uh, of what this is. And, and and I don't think, I think you're a bit of a bourbon aficionado, right? It's, it, there's a reason. Fan. That, Fan. I don't think yeah. I've reached aficionado stage <laughs> well, then, at this stage. There's a reason that, the, you know, all these dead kernels are on bottles and, and all of these, you know, and these families are multi-generational families that are involved in, in that side of the business. Uh, they're just a little bit better known than is Felipe Camarena at this point. So talk to me, uh, Jeff. Uh, it, it's called packaged, right? Packaged. Yep, you got it right. Is you where you right find between it. the lines or lack of vowels, as it would be. Yep. Um, well, it's, it's not my first time. Uh, <laughs> when you are looking at a brand to take on, mm-hmm. what is it that you're looking at? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that the first thing that piques your interest that makes you say, hey, Sean, we got to take a serious look at this right here? 
for us, the first thing is we we've truly got to believe in the product. So you know, our people ourselves we're we're really passionate about it. It makes us sound like alcoholics, uh, but you know, in the in the scope of it, we've really got to believe that if we drink it, we really like it. We think other people will as well because you know, in our business, while we talk about G four and we talk about those things, our group does have other things that we represent in our portfolio, you know, we, we do have a whiskey brand. We have some, some great gins. We do have a vodka and we do have some things that are aligned with celebrities. And, and we still have to believe that those products are great products first and foremost. So that's the first thing we look at. And, and then the other is, you know, is it something we can not just believe in, but we can get excited about if we can't get excited about it. Uh, you know, those that know Sean and I in the business, they will, uh, you know, usually first laud us as, you know, guys that kind of bury themselves in work. Um, you know, but we work in this business, no one lives or dies based on what we do any day. Uh, but you know, we've got to enjoy it because we bury ourselves in this business because we do love what we do. My thanks to Jeff Ernst and Sean Miller of package group PKGD. I don't know why I can't do it. PKGD dot group. As you know, Fingers Malloy just adores pumpkin spice. Who doesn't? Pumpkin spice is a lifestyle is what I say. Teetering smoke, I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Liar, America's <laughs> favorite amateur liar. Don't make me laugh. It's the cold. It's the killing him. It's killing him. Fingers Malloy right there. Uh, Starbucks has now got their holiday menu, so it's even more than just pumpkin spice. Starbucks offering up all the goodies right there. First, um, uh, you've got the the gift wrap magic cup, right? Uh, People are very concerned about the cups. They read into the cups like they get political about coffee cups. They do? They do. It's so sad. It's not Christmassy enough. It's too Christmassy. It's giving this subliminal message. It holds the coffee you want to drink. That's all it has to do. I, I think about all those things as I toss out my $5 cup. <laughs> That's going to be part of this conversation. <laughs> then there's the Frosted Sparkle, which was oddly enough Finger's name in college. There it is. That was his nickname. Mint green with starburst and diamond shapes. And then there's Ornament Wonder. But on the menu, on the menu, where 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 is uh, my, my menu right here? Okay, I, I think I got it. I think I got it. Peppermint there. Mocha. Is Peppermint Mocha on there? Yes. Have you ever had one? Yes, I have. And it is it is delightful. It's a festival of flavor. It's like there's a party in your mouth and everyone's invited. Is that right? Oh, you can't get enough peppermint mocha in my life. All right. So what's oh, they also have the chocolate pistachio swirl, which I'm also pretty sure is an urban dictionary. <laughs> Do not look. Uh, I'm not responsible for that. If you look, you're on your own because once you go down that rabbit hole, you never, ever, ever come out. Also, rabbit hole on urban dictionary. Yes. So uh, you heard him. Ask Jeeves. What, what, what was it? Coconut chocolate pistachio swirl. Oh, okay. Is is on there. Creamy chocolate filling with notes of cinnamon and coffee swirled into a buttery brioche inspired dough with mint chocolate chips and topped with chopped pistachio. Wait. Is there coffee that's a in coffee? There? <laughs> no, that's got to be that's got to be like a like a cookie. That's a cookie. It's a cookie? Oh, now I'm interested. Now I'm interested if we're going to be in with brioche-inspired dough. Count me in on, on that flavor. That sounds good. The problem is, who the hell can afford Starbucks? Well, there's that. I mean, how much is this cookie going to be? How much is this coffee going to be? Uh, how many calories are going to be in the cookie and the coffee? Do you care? There comes a point where you 
where even there I, comes a point for you when even I am like, wow, this peppermint mocha with the chocolate pistachio swirl is uh, seventy two hundred calories. Should we play what's it fingers eat today? It's going to be a lame game. I didn't eat anything today because of the cold. cold. Yeah, but yeah. if I got you one of these cookies, you'd eat it right now for the show. Oh, you do, it, you do, it, do it, for, it for Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation? That's exactly right. So I, I thought that was a drink. My apologies. Peppermint mocha, caramel brulee latte, chestnut praline latte. Yeah, it does not sound good. Chestnut does not sound like anything I want to ingest. Unless it's roasting uh, over an open fire, which nobody actually does. Do you, did you come from a family no. that did chestnuts? No. Like true, traditional kind of Christmas stuff? We didn't even have fires. So really we didn't have a fireplace. So we, we just never we, we had a fireplace, but my, my parents were too scared to use it because it was gas. So really? Yeah. Now my father, Fingers Moy Sr. has a uh, wood burning fireplace and gas fireplace. And he's again, he's afraid to use the gas fireplace. So he doesn't use it. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. I, I just, I just that. say that's fine, Dad. I'm Jewish and we had a fire on Christmas. Wow. With the with the Chinese food. Oh, well, clearly Chinese food in a movie. That's what Jews do on Christmas. Movie, Chinese food. And it is not a joke. It has become so obsessive. Your local Chinese place is so busy on Christmas. Now, even if you, you don't live in a town with, with a large Jewish population, trust me, they all found that Chinese restaurant. <laughs> they all found it. They all went out. Movies are a big thing on Christmas as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, before... You move on from the Starbucks story and, and, and holiday talk. I, I wanted to ask you, we are in the first week of November. Yes. Too early for Christmas music? No. Anything after Halloween is fine. Halloween ends at midnight. At 12.01, you are allowed to be in the Christmas spirit. It's completely fine. When you have Christmas spirit in June, <laughs> then we're going to riot. Then there's going to be a serious problem, and we're going to say, stop it. Stop it, you silly people. When, when it, like, a place like Menards Home Improvement Store has the Christmas trees up October 7th, yeah. we have a serious issue. Well, I did notice that when we, you know, we did our Halloween candy review show last week, and I went into uh, local store Aldi here, the, the chain store, uh, and the whole aisle uh, next to the small end cap of Halloween candy all Christmas. All Christmas on uh, October 30th. I thought to myself, my goodness, uh, it's it's getting earlier and earlier. You can do uh, Christmas music now. You can do Christmas foods now. You can sing Christmas songs now. Not a problem. Even Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. You can hear that on a loop. From now on, how, you know, she, she makes it, we've done this story. She makes a million a Christmas from the royalties of that show. A million dollars in this two-month season. They've said that she could buy up to seven peppermint mocha coffees Ooh. based on the royalties of all I want for Christmas is you. Uh, so, no, it's not It's not true. Are you, are you bothered by what you're seeing? Uh, listen, the, the, the store displays, I, I get it. I understand it. But, uh, you know, in mid-October, early October, seeing the Christmas trees up already, that gets a little uh, ridiculous. But uh, no, uh, the the Christmas music, it, it, it does feel weird when you're in a northern state and it's 78 degrees outside and you're hearing Christmas music. But what's wrong with being in the Christmas spirit early? When do you, in the Malloy household, put up your lights? Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 
You know what? That makes sense. Thanksgiving week, you have the Thanksgiving. You take some time to to decompress. You've got you've you've got that Saturday Sunday. Put it up. That makes perfect sense. Now the thing that's interesting is I have a Christmas tree now that is 22 years old, and it really should be replaced. It's a live tree, by the way. Yeah, it is. He has nurtured it day in and day out. Miracle Grow does wonders. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, that's one of those purchases where it's it's hard to make that purchase for a new Christmas tree. For me, anyway, it's it's like a, a water heater. If it works, why why run out and get a new water heater? That's how I am with the, the Christmas tree still stands, and it, you put enough stuff and tinsel and all that stuff on it, it looks the same as it did twenty years ago. And, until you strip everything off the tree, and you're like, oh my goodness, this thing looks like it's. You know, we we don't put up any lights. We don't do any anything uh, like like that. We celebrate Hanukkah. We're we're serious about it. My house is just a. Uh, a field day of latkes, the potato pancakes, and I will actually be making donuts this year for the first time. Oh, uh, jelly donuts, which is a part of of it, you know, because it's cooked in oil and Hanukkah and the eight days the oil lasted, so that's why that's why you make the latkes in oil, the, the donuts uh, as as well. But I know that if I celebrated Christmas. I would be one of those guys who was so insane about the lights you didn't know which way was up. Uh, you would see me from space. I know I would be that guy, but the difference. Fingers and always that I would do it tastefully. How so? What what makes it tasteful? All right, allow me to start the fight, and we will have this conversation throughout the season. You know the Christmas lights that are different colors and the big bulbs? Yes. Yeah, those are gross. Oh. Uh, the lights can, can be white or blue. Wow. And they have to be the small lights because those are, and wait for it, classy. Why are you declaring war on Christmas, Tony? It's Katz? not a war on Christmas, but it's to me the those big nonsense bulb lights. It's the same feeling I get when someone wears pajamas on an airplane. I just oh. Well, you, you're going to have to drive by my home for Christmas this year. Oh no, <laughs> no. I love nah. those lights. Do you really? Oh, they they they. For me, that's my childhood. They, they scream 1970s Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Those big, gaudy, old-school-looking lights, multicolored. Yeah, those are in front of our house. You do like the projection of snowflakes onto no. the home and everything else? No, I don't do that because I didn't do that in the 1970s. I don't even know if that was available in the 70s. So Christmas for you is nothing more than a throwback to the 70s. Of course. Right? It's nothing it's, but it's, Brady Bunch on a loop. And yeah, it's all about my childhood, not the kids. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> Smoking the Toro 724, number seven, number 20, number four, from Kirk Kendall into the second third. Yeah, a lot of that wood, almost a hay going on. Interesting smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. You got to love trying something new. You got to love it when you get the opportunity to drink something you have never seen before, nor have you ever heard of before. And you got to love drinking something where just somebody's like, you know what? We found this. We found that. We found the other. Mix it together. We'll try that, too. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This right here, what Fingers Malloy? Are, are, you, are you saying we're about to have a whiskey potpourri? That's exactly what I'm saying, Fingers Malloy. How long have you been waiting to drop potpourri on us? Four years. This is from the people at Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling. Their 
conversation, their concept is they look for weird, strange, hidden, rare whiskeys. Things that people forgot about in the corners of the Rick House. And they find something here and they find something there. And you're like, you know what? We can, we can make this work. We can put something together here. We have got ourselves something that makes sense. Let's go put this together. That's Orphan Barrel. This is a 14-year American whiskey. Now, not a bourbon. There are rules and regulations to what makes a bourbon, that you have to be 51% corn, that you have to come from a first-use charred oak barrel, that you have to be into the barrel at certain uh, proofs and out of the barrel at certain proofs. There, there are real serious rules right here. This, well, at being an American whiskey, may not follow all the rules. So therefore, according to the law, it can't be bourbon. If you want to know more about the bourbon rules, check out our book, Let's Go Bourbon, which is available at Amazon.com. This is a mix of three different very high corn whiskeys from people at Barter House, Forged Oak, and Rhetoric. I will admit to you, I have never, ever heard of any of them. But that doesn't mean I'm not willing to try it. When I talk about high corn, the mash bill on each of these is 86% corn. Wow. Which should be a very sweet, sweet type of bourbon. 8% malted barley and 6% rye. That rye content being very low should not have that big spice. And I will admit, the bottle's this big, heavy, beautiful, squared-off bottle. The label is great. It's called Fable and Folly. Fable and Folly is what it's uh, called here. 14-year finest quality whiskey. It's 45% alcohol by volume, 90 proof right there. And Fingers Malloy, we have it, and it's just it's just a standard gold color right there. That's what we're getting on this, just a standard gold, not necessarily big on the viscosity sticking to the glass. Nope. But it's, it's attractive. Yes, it is. I'm not saying it's not. No, it, it, it is, and... Uh Oh, that nose is, that is a sweet, sweet, sweet nose right there, Fingers Malloy. Yeah, and I got to tell you, though, on the nose, and this, again, this may be my cold having an impact on my experience, but it's not a very strong nose, is it? No, it's actually a little bit more ethanol than I thought I, I would get out of it, but we, we've just poured it. We have it in the Glencairn glass, right? That's that oddly shaped glass that bows out and then comes back in, really concentrates the nose. Want this to breathe a little bit more, get some of that ethanol moved out and see where the where the flavors actually reside in this. Oh, but it's warm. It's warm. It's kind of luscious on, on, on the nose right there. And I think that's a good bit of wood. I think that's a lovely bit of oak going on. Uh, there is a, a, a nice bit of oak going on. But again, do you, do you have to put your nose way in there. I, it, it, you know how sometimes we'll have a pour and you can smell from across from, the room? Yeah. Th- yes. It, it's um, Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit of that, but I already went nose deep. Right? Oh, I, okay. I, I already went in like I was at the trough and I was feeding like a prize stallion. There's a little bit of caramel in there too. Maybe. I mean, they're, 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 the sweetness is absolutely, absolutely playing right there. Fable and Folly from Orphan Barrel 14-year blended whiskey and, and they, they don't disclose uh, the, the, the blend and how much they put in 
of which. But I think it's interesting that they age statement it. That's what's kind of fascinating because they could have gone NAS, no age statement. And so you wouldn't know they could have put in something very, very young. They're telling you that this is all well-aged liquor, uh, spirit, and they're they're proud of it. Well, I think if, if it's 14-year, they want people to know it's 14-year, right? Now, Fingers Malloy, I know you've got the cold. I know you've been working hard. Are you ready for this? Oh, dear Lord, I've been ready for this all week. We start with the Kentucky Chew. Fingers Malloy takes the sip, moving, moves it around the palate. Sometimes you want to take two sips, a second sip, the first sip kind of test setting the, the taste buds, and then you can really get more of the flavors from that second sip. Fable and Folly is the name from Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling Company. Uh, what do, what are you uh, what are you thinking there, Fingers Malloy? As you take your sip and you move it around the palate, it is not nearly as sweet as I thought it was going to be. Really, uh, but again, it may be just my palate from the cold. That oak hits you right away. There's some baking spice that gets you as well. Nice little sting on the tongue. No real warmth going down. Uh, a hint of vanilla, uh, but not not really sweet as I as I thought you, you, you talk about 86% corn you're expecting this to be really sweet I'm expecting more sweetness out of it yeah yeah to me it's it's much more on the oak side so I think maybe you're if, if it's hitting me like uh, it'll hit you well, I think it'll hit you you're gonna I think you're gonna enjoy right, it here I go here I go fable and folly from orphan barrel whiskey distilling remember not a bourbon it's a whiskey here we go to your health fingers Malloy to my health fingers Malloy Tony's going in. He's doing the Louisville lip. I don't even know what that is. Ooh. Oh, I think it's your cold, man. Really? Oh, that hits super sweet on the front part of the tongue. Absolutely no burn going down. There's no real heat uh, in, the, in the chest. Oh, that's a nice kind of weird mix. Of, oh, I don't know about that finish. Wait a second. <laughs> It hits super sweet, and it's funny that finish kind of, kind of dried off. There's a little bit of heat that's that's popping out, a little bit of 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 spice that 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 built on, on the finish. But that's it's funny. There's like three or four flavors that are working, but very simply, nothing's overpowering the the the, the next. I'm getting and a leathery finish. I think that I think that you're not wrong about that. I was just gonna say. There is something coating the tongue complete. And and it's actually, it, 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 that luscious conversation comes back. That's what it is. It's just almost velvety on, on the tongue. Now, I think it's screaming for a cube. I think that this is destined for, for a rock, but we're going to try it with a little bit of, of just water in it because water will bring down the proof, also opens up uh, the, the, the whiskey. It's an interesting play. It's a very interesting play right here. I Okay, now the finish is getting a little bit sweeter. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of unique. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And it, it it does play with some some oak as well. This is that dryness is kind of peculiar to me. That I don't know if you're getting that like a dry not really I'm, almost a grassy dry. Which is kind of strange because of, of the sweet notes and everything else and that lusciousness. That's hitting. Well, it's definitely multifaceted. This isn't a, a one-trick pony. Not, not, not at all. What's the price? Is it in your liquor cabinet? We'll get in uh, to that. The Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling Company. 
Eat, drink, smoke. It is your cigar bourbon foodie extravaganza. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. Find it all. Eat, drink, smoke show dot com. Drinking this fable and folly from Orphan Barrel Distilling. This is unique. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, you heard the conversation with the guys from Packaged, and, and I enjoyed speaking to them. And let me tell you, my idea for Werewolf Gin is genius on genius, and, and I, I already own the domain name. Don't even try. Don't even try. They, they represent a, a gin called Alchemist, and, and it gets made in the, under a full moon once a month. That's when it gets made with these different botanicals in the gin. Gin is what they think is the up-and-comer. And so I, I, I brought it up. I'm like, well, if it's under a full moon, why isn't it called Werewolf Gin? And they're like, well, I don't know. That's a good idea. Bought the domain name. I'm in the gin business. Ah, ooh, werewolf's my gin. Ah, ooh. God, I sing like an angel. You do. You do. I was like, is that Taylor Swift? <laughs> that's what I said. Always make the man with a cold laugh. That's that's what's key. That, no, no, everyone can hear you. You can't pull away uh, from the microphone that far, I man. The, I hit the cough button. <laughs> this this whiskey though is interesting. Now I'm gonna add a little bit of water to it, fingers Malloy. That's what I. That's did. what I'm doing. Water will bring down the proof, and we'll open it up a little, and boom, boom, there it is, right there, because. It, it was. It had this. The, the corn had the sweetness. It had a little bit of leather on the finish. It had a lusciousness to it, but it also gave me a little bit of dry mm. on on the finish there. I'm like, and it was the finish moved a couple times. Like that's odd and interesting, fascinating. Ninety proof, by the way, but it's a 14 year whiskey, not bourbon whiskey. So I'm like, maybe a little water because it kind of me. It kind of screamed for a cube. Yeah, for me, I put a little bit of water in it, and it it brought out that leather. It brought out. Uh, that oak, um, I'm really not getting the sweet that you are. Uh, maybe some caramel in the beginning, uh, but but for me, it, it all it also uh, took away a little bit of that that spice that it had earlier. Oh, did you add the water? Yes. Oh, I, oddly enough, I think the spice increased. I'm feeling a little bit of heat in in the mid chest. Oh, much much smoother. Just a little bit of water, not too much. We did a small pour uh, uh, of this, not a normal. Uh, we usually do a two-ounce pour uh, when we do it. An ounce and a half to two ounce. This, this was just a true ounce pour, so the water ratio is a little bit different. Oh, that is nice, Fingers. The question is, is it in your liquor cabinet at $150 to $250 a bottle? Uh, no. It's a no. Yeah. I get it. I get it. This isn't about flavor. This is about value to experience this is this is really lovely i i will admit i they to to find these different barrels that were left over in rick houses and marry them as they did a lot of thought a lot of love went into that but i can't bring myself at that price i two questions for you one i i do think if i saw this at one of my favorite lounges i i would definitely give it a try and recommend it for other depending on to other people, depending on how much the pour is, would you would you have it at uh, your favorite lounge as just a pour? Um, I I think that it would be a bourbon that I bring out at a lounge once a year. It's a whiskey, uh, but I yeah, but, but I bring it out when I'm at my favorite lounge once a year, right? Yeah. So I, I I just I can't imagine this as my daily, which is. If I'm talking about straight flavor, 
I think I want something. I, I, I'm not saying this right, which is terrible because it's radio and you should say things in, in a pretty good way. There is, there, there's a lot of lovely going on here, but there is nothing that makes me say I have to have this. But I could see myself saying, I haven't tried that in a while. Let me give that a go. Let me see if it matches with, with this cigar. Now, with the 724 cigar, it's actually not a bad mix. No. Uh, I'll tell you that much. But I don't think I'm getting... I don't think I'm getting enough to make it worth the price. Okay, so that... For my palate. So that answers my second question without even asking it is, is would this be something that you would buy for a special occasion because it's different? I got 10 things ahead of it. Yeah. Based on my palate, understand what we're saying. This is not a slam. We think that, like, they've got other ones. They're all going to get tried on the show. They're absolutely going to get tried on the show. This is a dollar to flavor conversation. If we're on a, just a just flavor conversation, I think there's a lot of lovely in here, but there are other things that move me a little bit more. If we're talking about a price conversation, you have to punch me in the face with the wow. You have to have me lay down and say, was it good for you? In order to make this bottle happen for me on any level of the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it, 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 there is a uniqueness. There is a lusciousness that's going on on the tongue. I'm going to move the whole thing to the cube right now just to see if somehow that changes things for me. But right now, not in my liquor cabinet. But I'm not objecting to the to the, to the bourbon uh, to the whiskey writ large. It's it's a cool bottle. It's a cool concept. I just don't know at that price point if it's if it's something that's even worthy of a special occasion bottle. Like you said, there's so many other things that we've tried over the years at that yeah. price point that we'd be like, okay, that's a good special occasion bottle. Right. That and that's us on a personal level. That is not about the actual right. uh, juice. We, we've given you our review of, of that, but it's time, Fingers Malloy, and I'm going to see what it's like on the Cube. I'm going to do that right now. It's time for News of the Week. So Ford Automotive, Tony, they're giving underperforming employees the option of, to voluntarily take severance versus being put into a program for underperforming employees. So, oh, yeah. So they're uh, they're separating the weed from the chaff, are they? Yeah, they have a program uh, called the Performance Enhancement Plan. It's designed to give employees an opportunity to improve prior to being fired by their employer. In that world, Fingers Malloy, I know you know some stuff about that world. Um, what is underperforming? What does that mean? If you're working the line, let's say, at an automotive plant, mm-hmm. what is underperforming actually... Well, this is this is white collar. So these are white collar employees. So, I mean, if you're underperforming on the line, the line shuts down and that costs thousands of dollars a minute. So that's not what this is. This is for white collar employees. You know, they're not performing up to snuff. They're not uh, doing what they need to do for the team. Uh, You know, we we've had this conversation about quiet quitting. How many of these people are, are trying to quiet quit? We don't know the answer to that, but that seems to be a trend in 2022. So now I ask you, let me turn the whole thing around, because I want to say for the record, what if I don't believe them? I don't believe that's the case in terms of low performing. What if this is their way of saying we need to reduce staff because of impending economic problems, and this is how we're going to do it? We're just going to see how many 
lower level management types, we can move out mid level management types, we can move out, we'll put their work on somebody else, and we'll save ourselves X number of dollars, millions of dollars each year. Well that that's an interesting point of view, you know, because it's it's never a good announcement that you're eliminating jobs. Um, it, it does uh, terrible things for morale in the company. If you make it sound like, well, this isn't a situation where we're cost cutting. It's a situation where these people just aren't performing the job duties properly. Yeah, uh, I'm calling it shenanigans. Better. It's cost cutting. That's my. T- when I hear that story, something doesn't pass the, 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 the smell test. Ford's performance enhancement program typically lasts about six weeks. So once you're in the program, you've got six weeks to... Uh, you know, step up to the plate or you're fired, they're offering the severance package for people saying, you know what, you don't even have to go through the program. If you, if you don't feel like you want to be here any longer, uh, don't quiet quit. Uh, here's, here's your severance and uh, we'll, we'll call it a day. That's what they're saying. Look, I could be right and I could be wrong. That's why, if I was saying it differently, why bother? That's what they're saying. Hey, Tom. Come on. I mean, that's... You've got the minimal pieces of flair. <laughs> See Jim over there? He's got 40 pieces of flair on. You have the bare minimum. That's an office space reference, people. Go rent that movie immediately, if not sooner. Find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. What is America's favorite cut of steak? My answer is, whatever you put in front of me. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Johnny Good News, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And uh, what's Eat, Drink, Smoke without a list? It's nothing, I tell you. The people that eat this, not that, finally making a list we can at least enjoy. The number one cut of steak in America, according to a survey that has been done um, the Consumer Steak Report. That's a thing. Mm. The Consumer Steak Report you right here. You should see their sports section. I don't. I don't think that's the way it, oh. it, it, it works. Oh. And they've got you know this. They've got their top nine. I don't even have a top ten. So interesting. And I mean, flat iron is on there. And I will tell you, a flat iron steak is wonderful. And sometimes you can find them on sale. And people don't know what to do uh, uh, with them. Your cast iron skillet is your friend. Salt and pepper, super easy uh, to to do. I like, I like the, the 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 flat iron quite a bit. Some people say it's not super tender. I think you can make a flat iron sing in the same way you can do it with a skirt steak. Super super juicy. People look for the the the, the names that they know. You're missing out. You're missing out on deals, and you're missing out on opportunity to, to, to cook great things and do great things with it. Not just necessarily lay out a steak for yourself, fajitas and, yep. and utilization and things like chili or, 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 or just, just, just a general sliced on the plate with whatever you, you want that side to be. Works great. Salad. Even a steak salad if you want to do yes. something like that. Uh, for, for me, whenever I get the flat iron, I, you know, whenever you get, uh, in my mind... Uh, a steak that doesn't have a lot of fat, the, the kind of steak that maybe isn't going to be the most tender. That's that screams for the re- the, the reverse sear uh, for me. It's it's I cook it really slow for a long period of time. Depending on I'm not even going to get into time because of the thickness of the steak it could it could very much vary on how thick the steak is, and then throw it on the grill at 
600, 650 degrees for two minutes aside. And it, it, it does make that meat much more tender and the flavor's fantastic. Right. You're basically slow cooking the thing, but not using a slow cooker mm-hmm. uh, to do it. They've got the porterhouse on here at number five. Now, people get very confused about the porterhouse. We have got this in our upcoming book, Let's Go Barbecue. We did a whole section on on cuts of meat, both beef and, and pork, just as a way of showing people. And remember, you're not you could smoke a pork porterhouse. You could smoke a steak. I'm much more fan of grilling a steak, actual steak, than than uh, than smoking. The difference between a porterhouse and a T-bone is the thickness of the side of the filet. So a porterhouse is one half is New York strip and the other half is filet. In order to be a porterhouse, it has to be on the filet side one and a quarter inches thick at its widest point, not throughout, at its widest point. That's what it has to be. That's what makes a porterhouse steak. For a T-bone, it has to be 0.51 to 1.24 inches. Anything within that realm is a T-bone. So the only difference between a T-bone and a porterhouse is the width of the filet side. I love a porterhouse. When I'm at a restaurant and they don't have a big cut, a large cut of prime rib, that the porterhouse to me is my go-to because it's, you usually see a 20-ounce porterhouse. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'll grab. Number four on this is the New York Strip, and number three is the T-bone. It's interesting how that came into proportion on, on, on the list. I will admit, uh, I, I'm thrilled with a T-bone. I'm thrilled uh, with a, a, a porterhouse. Number two is the filet. By just who I am, I'm not a filet mignon guy. I appreciate it. I respect it. It's just, it's not enough. It's too delicate. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful dining experience. But, I mean, listen, most of the time, when you're going to a restaurant, what you get an eight ounce fillet, if you're sometimes a six ounce, six ounce fillet, yeah, uh, it's too small. It's it's wonderful, melts in your mouth practically, but for me, it's too small. The number one cut is the ribeye, and that is absolutely correct. If I'm doing a strip, I am medium rare. If I am a ribeye, I am medium because that unbelievable marbling, the fat that's in a ribeye, I just feel that when you cook it at too low in the, in that rares and medium rares it isn't it isn't rendered enough i think you need the medium to really render that fat to make the whole thing a more luscious experience that is a personal preference you're going to decide for yourself but i think that's correct i think the ribeye is the all-out favorite because so much flavor is packed in yeah now the only thing is can you afford to buy it anymore oh god no no, you're, you're going to stare out the window like you're Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places, wondering why that isn't your life. That is absolutely it. But there are deals. Black Friday deals have already begun. This Black Friday is going to be a very strange thing. You know, the day after Thanksgiving, that's not where the shopping's happening. People are buying now for fear that there won't be things, as we talked about the supply chain. Walmart has the Black Friday deals on tech, on TV. Here's some of them. Here's some of them, Fingers Malloy. They're already available? Yes, they're already. That's the whole point. Yeah. They want people shopping now because it's going to be too late. Yeah. Uh, Apple iPad. The Air, the fourth generation, is $349. Save $150. You've got the Apple Watch SE, the first generation. Save $50 on, on that right there. The iRobot Roomba <laughs> is $288. You save $142. Have you ever been in a house that has one of those? Never once a day in my life. 
But how would you know? Well, that's true. It hides during the day. Right. Comes out at night. Yeah. And raids like, your fridge. It's, it's like Elf on a Shelf. You can get a Vizio 55-inch 4K smart TV for $298. Perfect for your garage, Fingers Malloy. That's right. I just bought a 58-inch TV uh, for $8 less than that. Is that right? Yes. The, the, the TV deals are just absolutely insane right now. Until, of course, there are no more TVs There's that. Uh, uh, left. And then you've got the Apple AirPods Pro at $159. It's saving 90 bucks. The Roku Streaming Stick 4K at $20. I will tell you, I have the Roku Soundbar. If your TV, because very often with these, these flat screens, the picture is beautiful. They sacrifice sound because yeah. they just don't have the room for the speakers. So you miss dialogue in movies and shows, and, and that's what we found. I think the Roku soundbar, because also it is your Roku, I think that has been one of the better purchases I have made. I think the sound quality in that thing is a knockout, and then you can Bluetooth attach to it for music and, and things like that. I'm a big fan, a super big fan. Well, I'm going to have to check that out because for my garage TV, the other day when I was watching the Lions play, I thought he said touchdown Lions. He said fumble Lions. Right. <laughs> so... That's, I love that you're wearing the Lions jersey right now. What am I going to do? They're my team. They're your team, and they are? One and six. They're one and six. Worst record in the National Football League. You think they're going to fire the coach? They should. If it gets to the point where they only win two games this year, how can they bring him back? Especially if they're going to draft a rookie quarterback next year. It'll be a disaster. So no more Jared Goff? Uh, he may stick around to hand uh, the, you know, the, the, the job reins. off. Yeah, hand, hand over the reins? Yes, there you go. Ugh, what a what a mess. You're so sad. It is what it is. You want to openly weep right now? No, I'm used to it. You want to just do any little venting? Rebuilding since 1957. It's fine. It's you fine. should make that shirt. <laughs> oh, it, it, believe me, that's out there. <laughs> I've got I've got a shirt. I'll, I should take a picture of me in it. Uh, it's uh, the Lions logo, and it just says, just one before I die. <laughs> One Super Bowl. That's all I want. <laughs> Drinking from... The good people at Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling. It is a whiskey. It is their fable and folly 14-year. It, it is interesting. I'm not going to tell you not to try it at your local lounge. I think that you should uh, try it. But at $150 to $250, depending on where you are, a bottle, it's just not in the liquor cabinet. Now, the 724 that we're smoking, the Toro, the 6x54, into the final third, I think this is a very easy, medium smoke. There isn't enough happening that makes me say I have to have 100 of these in my humidor. But I think at $10, $11 a stick, if I just want something for you know the, the everyday, if I'm doing uh, some yard work, if I'm on a golf course, I think this can satisfy because it's not going to overwhelm. That's what I think of the 724. I just happen to like the people over there. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com next time, everyone. Follow Eat Drink Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat Drink Smoke, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eat Drink Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat Drink Smoke Podcast.